Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Sad Times. As you can tell, I've put on my Sad Times radio voice, so I hope everybody is feeling soothed. You know, before we get to our guest, a couple things. First, let's talk about what Sad Times is. Sad Times is a program on which I have a guest on every week, and we talk about times they were sad, upset, angry, emotional, how they dealt with that, how people who love them dealt with it, kind of where they put their emotions, because I think we uh, tend to not talk about these things very much uh, as a society, uh, even though we every single one of us goes uh, through with it. So, again, the goal is not here to, again, as if you've listened to this before, but the goal here is not to solve any of these problems or diagnose or anything like that. It's just to allow one person to tell their story uh, while you at home perhaps feel uh, some kinship with them, you feel a little less alone uh, when you hear something that really strikes a chord with you that maybe you haven't even shared with anybody. So that's kind of the goal of the show. Of course, uh, we wouldn't have a show without sponsors. And as always, our sponsor is Fuck Cigarettes. That's Fuck Cigarettes, which as a reminder, everyone, uh, if you say Fuck Cigarettes, it's okay because if you say a brand name in America, there's nothing wrong with that. Fuck cigarettes um you know you've had a long day just light up a fuck you know i just really i used to smoke cigarettes i used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day that's 40 fucks a day everyone a lot of fucks so uh thank you to fuck cigarettes and also because we are about to bring on our guest who is not in studio with us that means we are on a zoom which means i have to stare at my face which means i'm now offering once again, if you have a business and you're competing with another business in your town and you would like to use my face to keep people away from that business, you can reach out to us here at Sad Times and uh, we'll put my picture on a billboard and just say that we're that I'm the face of your competitor and they'll stop going there and they'll start going to you. So uh, pretty low rates this time of year. So let's let's look into it. You know, reach on out. All right. Uh, enough with the sponsor bullshit. Um, so today, pretty excited. We are here with my friend Libby, who I haven't talked to in a long time. Libby, how's it going? Hello, Kevin. Hello. It's going good. <laughs> All right. So, um, we were just discussing, uh, I mean, we knew each other before this, but we were in a show that our mutual good friend and friend of the show, as they say, uh, directed in college, and I believe it opened right around 20 years ago today. Is that right? That's what I think, man. Yeah. I think I think it ran the first to the third, but... That sounds right. Uh, and you uh, played the, the female lead, and yeah. the ingenue, is that what they call that? Ingenue? Yeah, it was actually just called The Girl. That's right, your character's name was <laughs> The Girl. <laughs> Great writing from the group theater, everyone. Ooh, yeah. uh, and um, really, really a fun production that we that we put on ourselves. We did it on the main stage there at our prestigious university in the southern part of Illinois. I'm not going to say the name of it, but uh, there. And um, that's where I learned the word nerds. You remember that word? <laughs> yeah. Nerds, nerds to that. So, <laughs> but when did you start going to school down there, Libby? Like, uh, that was 2003. So how long had you been in school down there at that point? I started in 2000. All right. Like me. All right. 2000. Okay. Were you a class yeah. of 2000 kid? High no, school? actually. It took me a while to be able to go to college. I worked in a factory before. Wow. And I got braces. So I had my priority straight, you know. Uh-huh. Wait. <laughs> like I so wait. You didn't? I got to get money for college. Were you planning on majoring in theater when you uh, were planning on going to school? Um, when I was working towards going to school, I think I was more of a science major. Okay. And then by the time I started going to college, I had switched over to uh, theater, basically. Yeah. What, what um, drew you to, to, to kind of try that out? Well, I had always done like church productions and um, school productions um, and was always drawn towards telling a story, being a part of other people trying to tell a story, put on a show. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
I think I had to work so hard to be able to go to college that uh, I was just like, well, then I should go for my dream. And <laughs> it was basically to work in storytelling, basically. Um, so I found out that SIU had this great theater program and I did like check it out. You know, I went down, checked it out and oh. I just wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. so. That's awesome. So you, you must have checked it out and... Because you did not meet Brent when you checked it out, you decided to come <laughs> come to school there. Which, by the way, Brent has put on my glasses, uh, which is really, really rude. Uh, anyway, so you came down around 2000. We were in the show together in 2003. Um, and then were you – oh, gosh. Police stuff near far? What was that? Were you in police stuff near far or am I making that up? No, I don't – no, I no, wasn't No, okay. I'm making that up. S scratch that. Um, so we both left around the same time, around 2004-ish, I think is about right, yeah? Well, actually, it was a, it was actually right about this time last year, or not last year, and it feels like last year, but um, in 2003 uh, is w whenever my life took a turn. Gotcha, okay. It was. Which kind of led so, you on the path to kind of saying, I need to, I need to go to a different place. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had to. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So, uh, I've had to start over a few times. And, and go ahead. Sorry. No. So, um, yeah. So I had left SIU in 2003. Mm -hmm. It was around April. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Right. Not long after the show closed. Okay. <laughs> uh, and you worked at a bar called Key West. I remember that. Good little bar. Uh, and then, so where did you go after you left school? Like, where did you move to? Um, I spent a little time in Marion, uh, mm -hmm. and that's, it's, um, yeah, so I haven't really ever talked about this, so. Okay, uh, we, yeah. we don't have to talk about it, but you went down to Tennessee at some point shortly yeah. thereafter, right? Yeah. So I, I, what happened was I was in an abusive relationship and my um, my best friend had to basically come scoop me up and save me. So she, she had an opportunity for me to start over down in Nashville, Tennessee. She was a part of a production company. She was um, she was working in a studio with a, with many of the photographers in Nashville. So she was like, there's opportunity here, you know, come down, come down. And um, even waitressing you know i could start over so mm -hmm. uh nashville gave me my start again um actually several starts <laughs> and um waitress uh i tried to get into um whatever kind of entertainment industry that i could down there there's commercials there's um there's theater down there Obviously, um, the the music industry is all over the place mm -hmm. down there. There was some music videos that I got to be in, some really cool, cool really? stuff that I got to be a part Were of. Were any yeah. of them by Hootie and the Blowfish? No, oh. <laughs> I did some. I did an Alan Jackson. Alan one. Jackson. I some, yeah, I got some days on that. I had to learn a dance, um, several days, and I had to like. They're like, "Can you look different?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I can look different." And <laughs> Can you come back tomorrow? Yeah, I can come back. Can you um, look different? That's what lots of girls have said to me. <laughs> Kevin, could you look different? Um, I got 10 days on Hannah Montana down there, the movie, which is really, that was a dream come true. If I were to watch that, could I find you in the movie? Like, could I see you? Yeah, I can tell you. There's like 10 places you can see me. You can have like a scavenger hunt. <laughs> now, you lived in Franklin, right? Outside of Nashville? Yes, that is my favorite. That's you can take me to my happy place by just saying the word Franklin, Tennessee. Well, I know that oh. uh, Miley Cyrus was Hannah Montana, right? Yeah, she was born in Franklin, and I mm -hmm. think one of her many homes is still in Franklin. It's still probably there. Yeah, yeah. her home is there. Uh, she would she would do a concert like on a Friday night in Franklin, Tennessee. Whenever I lived there, we'd be walking around the park and it'd be like, "What's going on? Oh, it's Miley!" Wow. <laughs> It, wow. That girl is so grounded, so grounded. And whenever I worked with her, she was 15 years old. And I mean, totally professional. It was just, it blew my mind watching her work on that set. Wow. That's awesome. So yeah. once you got down there, you're, you're getting, you said you were waitressing, but you're also, you're in music videos, you're in a movie. Uh, my first movie yes. was produced by Quentin Tarantino. 
what was Boom. that movie? <laughs> it's called uh, it's called um, Daltrey Calhoun, and it was directed by Katrina Holder Bronson. I don't know, uh, which uh, is Charles Bronson's daughter. Okay, I was hoping it was really had something to do with Charles Charles Bronson. Yeah. So it was her first movie, like a directorial debut, and he was helping her, uh-huh. and she got to shoot it in Columbia, Tennessee, I believe, is where that shot. Okay. And I was bartending in Nashville, and you know things were coming at me like people, because you know you tell people your dreams when you're bartending and stuff, and everybody's like helping you get right. there too. Right. And people just kept telling me, go, you know, this is happening around here. So I figured out, you know, who where the open casting call was. Mm-hmm. And drove to that and got in. Uh, like, I was seriously the last person that pulled up and they had already closed the gates. And the casting director was like, okay, one more. One I, more. <laughs> That's one awesome. More. And she was like, you might be the one. And I was like, I hope so. <laughs> say, can you, <laughs> That's why I'm here. can you say the name of the movie again? Daltrey Calhoun. Daltry it's got Calhoun. Johnny Knoxville, Elizabeth Banks, Juliet Lewis. I mean, the first person I made eye contact with when I walked on set was Juliet Lewis. I was like, what is happening? Was she nice? Um, I never got to like interact with you her. You just made eye contact with and her? I just, and like kept, you know, kept walking by. But I mean, wonderful. She was wonderful to work with. I was on set with her, but never got close enough to like do any kind of interactions. I, I have a question for you about being a bartender. Um, you said that, hey, as a bartender, you you know, you start talking to people about your dreams. Is it is it a stereotype or is it actually? Well, I guess stereotypes are stereotypes for no stereotypes. Cliches are cliches for a reason. Is it cliche to say that people will pour their heart out to their bartender, or did that does that happen? Like, will people be like, I'm you know, I'm sad about this, that, or the other thing? Like, did you run into that a lot as a bartender? Yeah, I think so because you develop connections. Mm-hmm. With people, I I know what happened because I I can't even remember how many years I was a bartender. Um, even I was a bartender even around here ten years ago. I haven't had to do it for about ten years. Do you miss nice. it? No, no, it's bad for me. I okay. do have an addictive personality, so. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, that's a tough, that's a tough industry to be in. I mean, you get off at 2 a.m. What am I going to do? I'm wide awake. I don't drink anymore at all. Okay. Um, I do, I do microdose, which is uh, legal mushrooms. And it has, it's basically like two drops of alcohol a day. Oh, wow. And And just minimal drops. And that's all I do. So I can't say I'm like alcohol free. And I'm not like, oh, I'm not going to use mouthwash because it's got alcohol in it. Well, you just don't swallow it. Right. But I do microdose. Okay. And I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge fan of nature. And I do. I do know <laughs> you're a huge fan of nature. So when you say here, where is here? You're in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. I am near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Do you know the address to- there? <laughs> Come on. Anybody? Brent, wake up. The address? A Gettysburg. Oh. Address. <laughs> oh, God. Why didn't I get that? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. You, would, and, you, Brent would be really like, uh, interested in the area that I'm from because we have site R here. Site He's, R. Oh, ghosts. N- no, Ooh. I, um, it's the underground Pentagon. Oh, oh underground Pentagon. I thought she meant the ghosts of Gettysburg. The go- is that No, I thought you would be more into yeah. what's, what is actually underneath me, which I think is the government. <laughs> Hysteria 51 for you, everybody. If you have not listened to it, check it out. Raven Rock Mountain. Raven Rock. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Just a little cross advertising there. Yeah, for there you. you go. How long have you been in the in the um, Gettysburg area? 12 years. Wow. Yes. And what brought you I, there? My husband. He's oh. from this area. Okay. And um, we were we came here to set down some roots and I have never felt more protected. I grew up in the Midwest, Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where, I don't know where you are from. I'm from we central, went to college central Illinois. Uh, I'm, I'm from near Champaign-Urbana. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tornadoes. <laughs> yes, real tornadoes. Which we have them here too. But I feel so protected by the mountains. Yeah, I mean, because so tornadoes, you know, they think they're all rough and tough, but then they run into a mountain and then they stop. <laughs> Generally. Exactly. Or they I, go the other way. 
Although I am told that prayer can move mountains, and so if you ever want to just get that mountain out of the way for the tornado, if you want to face your fear, Libby, I love go ahead and my pray. mountains. I love my mountains. Uh, so you guys move out there, and you had said, you know, you work in a factory, you're thinking about doing science, you go to school and you say, you know what, I worked my ass off to get here, I might as well go after my dream, and you decided to major in theater. You then left, you went down to the Nashville area, you were still doing, as you said, kind of versions of storytelling and, and things of that nature. Did you always find that, whether it be theater or being on a film set or music video set or, or what have you, that you felt um, that you were able to maybe deal, not deal, um, that you were able to uh, kind of work through some of the stuff that you were doing because you're creating something else? Man, I felt like I could breathe. Tell me more what that, what do you mean by that? Well, you've known me for so long. And I think any of our teachers that we had would tell you the thing that I've had the hardest trouble with my entire life is breathing. And I, everybody always tells me you have to learn how to breathe. Like I can just lose my breath really easily. And then my brain stops working. Is it, do you think so I have to tell myself, breathe, you know, is that something that happens like when you're nervous, mm -hmm. like, uh, it gets worse. Mm -hmm. When I have stress. panic attacks, I stop mm -hmm. the breathing. Uh, it, it becomes less than optimal. Yes. Um, so, uh, and you're still struggling with that today? Yes, very much so. Yeah, okay. And so you felt like you're creating these things. It's like, wow, I can finally breathe. I can... Take a deep breath. I can be present in the moment, really. Is yes. Kind of, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's just like the life is the living and the living is the life. Like just like the breakfast, the lunch, the supper, you know, like just everything you do is just a part of what you're doing. Part of what you're creating. And yeah, I think even can I sleep for a couple hours just so I can get up and do it again? You know, that yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about getting away from Brent. Um, yeah. So you, oh, but he put us here together. He did. <laughs> he did actually fuck cigarettes did. If we're being honest, you, you're now, what is your, your husband w worked in film as well? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So we met in the MySpace days. Oh, um, yes. if you remember those days, I do. I remember them well. Um, I think what was your MySpace song on your page? Do you remember? I used to change it, and then I, I remember too. having like a playlist. So I, I had I "Fuck It Man" was one of them. It's like I'm a one trick pony here. But you remember that? I for anybody who doesn't know what MySpace my, is, my, my memory goes. I'm sorry. That's okay. MySpace was after Friendster, which don't even get me started on Friendster. I didn't get on that. But before Facebook, or at least before <laughs> Facebook was for people outside of universities. And anytime you went to somebody's page, if they wanted to, the moment you got to their page, a song would play. Yeah. And it wasn't it, it wasn't like an original song. Like, And I don't recall ever having to pay any money, but you could just play no. whatever. Um, and then everybody was friends with Tom. And um, then that went away. But so you, did you meet him on MySpace or did we you? We did. Okay. He was like messaging me. Like I would always try to put um, videos or like any, like I was always trying to create something. Mm -hmm. And I think he, you know, we must've, somebody's friend must've been somebody's friend. And then we ended up being friends, you know, and he would like message me and be like, Oh, you know, that's cool. And how did you do that? And, and I was just like, I don't even remember how I put some things together now these days, how I got things from tape onto a digital format onto a computer, but somehow I was able to do it. Um, <laughs> When you say videos, do you mean like short films? Yeah, little, just like little projects, just trying to make something. Even sometimes it was just trying to learn how to capture something mm -hmm. in those days. Um, but yeah, he noticed it. And then he was like, hey, I want to send you some of the stuff that I've been in. At first I was leery because I have been like, I have been targeted sort of unhunted on computers before. So oh, geez. it's like... Um, I didn't know whether to trust him or not, but mm -hmm. I did anyway. And um, yeah, so I met him and he had made a couple of movies with his friends and he sent me these movies and I was like, 
wow, like this is just a group of friends getting together for a week and this is like they're they're turning out a story, you know? Um, it just blew my mind. I probably watched this movie called Promenade a hundred times before I even met him because I loved it so much. The music, they didn't have the rights to the music though. So that'll mm-hmm. never, it'll never get sold or anything. But I was just like the music, the the way they cut it together, the story, I just loved it. And then we, we all just decided to get together, like me and him met and we we like dated over a summer and then we all decided to get together in the fall of that year. I think it was, it was 2007 and we made brain wrap, which is recently available on Tubi brain wrap available on Tubi. (laughs) That's T U B I. Right. (laughs) And that's free for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. And we're going to definitely put um, the names of the movies and, and where they can find it in the show notes. Uh, So that movie really never saw the light of day. Until yeah. now. Yeah. But this is, okay, so hold on. Let me back up for a second. <laughs> your your husband was making movies with his friends. And when you say movies, you mean like full-length movies. Yeah. Pictures, but, motion pictures, right? Yeah. And um, so he sent you stuff online, like, hey, this is stuff I'm working on. And one of those was, uh, I think you said Promenade, Promenade, mm-hmm. Promenade. And so you watched Promenade. it a bunch of times. And it sounds like you were really taken in not only by the idea that somebody could make this, but the story and then all the, you know, individual uh, parts of filmmaking, because you said the story, the way it was shot, how it was cut, all of those things. And I, yeah. you know, people at home can't see, but like you, you actually got like a look on your face like you were, and I'm not joking, like you were looking at a, like a baby. You're like, you, like the, a pride <laughs> look. They're my babies. Right. So what did your <laughs> husband do on those movies? He's a cinema photographer. Okay. Uh, he does. We do edit together. Um, so he's basically he's everything. He's an editor. I mean, uh, sound man. <laughs> we do catering. I mean, you name it. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, well, yeah, g- g- actors, you know, actors have to eat. <laughs> we do. So you 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 went out there and you were probably you were probably looking for something to really immerse yourself in. And so Brain Wrap was the first one that you guys did together? Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't seen this. Is it a horror movie? It's a dark comedy. It's a dark comedy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were just in that, right? You just you were just an actor in it? That's it. That's all I did. Okay. Which, by the way, for anybody who... And look, I've never been on any major motion picture or anything <laughs> like that. But anybody who's tried to make a movie, what movie making is, is a lot of sitting around. Like a lot. At least in my estimation. But you watched your husband and then um, who directed that film? John Taylor. John the Taylor, the writer, of, also of directed my movies. It. Yeah. The, and he also wrote the movies that I directed. Dead which, Woman's Hollow and Darkness Waits. Which I, you, I remember when I talked to you, you said that you were in this movie. And as we just established, like <clears throat> starting to feel like you could breathe you're making this movie. You're part of something larger, storytelling. You're, you're, and and again, you're around the mountains out there. Yeah. You're starting to feel a little more uh, at home, as it were. And you kind of had the idea, like I'd like to try to direct one of these, right? That's exactly it. Uh, we moved out here with an opportunity, but the opportunity fell through, and it was really hard for us. Um, and so that our what how we thought our lives were, were, were going to go. It, they just didn't go. Um, and so all of a sudden I was looking around and I was like, man, I'm starting over again. Uh, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, I'm going to do my freaking dream. <laughs> and no matter what it takes, like mm-hmm. if I'm going to be waitressing as a 34 year old woman, I'm going to be making a movie and waitressing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I was doing. And we would go to the mountains and we would, try to figure out how we were going to shoot this, you know, what we were going to shoot. John wrote the story. He knew where we were at. He knew what we had to work with around here. Um, I think he knew what we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't know a whole lot about, he doesn't know a whole lot about my personal life either. But when he wrote the script, I latched onto it. Um, why? Uh, sorry, why is that? Some of the themes that are in it uh they 
gave me a way to work on some stuff that I needed to work on just by studying the script and can I ask you something character development so I want to ask mm-hmm. you about that so you found some things that really resonated with your past experiences mm-hmm. and when you say something to work on like how did that help you work on it it was like to create something out of the pain that you'd had before is that yeah it, something it, beautiful that I could look at okay and it was it was it really about it, the go ahead it sorry. didn't hurt anymore it didn't hurt like a hurt anymore <laughs> it didn't hurt like it hurt it felt beautiful and that was just after you would read moment. the script and you're like I'm going to make this movie mm-hmm. and I'm going to take all of this stuff that I've dealt with before and I'm going to put it in the movie and now it's not that stuff in the past now it's something beautiful that I'm making is that kind of what you're saying yeah and, and it's right now it was right in the then and now and <laughs> in the it, then and then and it helped keep you out of the past as it were yeah uh, and, and, it, and it helped me grow because I just, it was just constantly like learning, learning how to work with people, learning how to just do new things. Um, were you scared to death to do that? Oh yeah. I'm scared. I am full of fear. That full is, of fear. How did you, how did how you at least embrace it? If not overcome it to make the movie, you just said, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Every, that's what I have to say every morning. <laughs> so you you kind of go through that every day, right? Yeah. It's 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 yeah. like I'm going to get through today. Here we go. Yeah, I know that. I I have to call this lyric out. I love it very much. There's a Bob Dylan lyric. Um, says, "I know it looks like I'm moving, but I'm standing still." So often people are like, "How are you doing, Kevin? You seem to be doing well." I'm like, "Well, I know it looks like I'm moving, <laughs> but I'm standing still. Uh, I'm just right here, frozen with fear." <laughs> doing it, man. But if you spend at least somebody like you and I, I think, if you spend parts, even just a part of your day creating something new, it is it is almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card, I guess you could say. You know? Um, so you think, all right, I'm going to direct this movie. You get the script. How long do you think it's going to take? Two weeks. Two weeks to shoot it? <laughs> I could do it in two weeks. You, you think you could I shoot the movie in two, two weeks. weeks? What are you, Roger Corman? <laughs> I thought I could do it in two weeks. How? I thought if everybody got together and I had the cameraman and I had sound, it would work out. <laughs> and uh, how long did it take to shoot? A year and a half. Wow. Wow. So that is, let's see here, that's 50, that's, that's 78 that's, weeks. Yeah, that's just to shoot it, too. I thought I could do the whole, you know, people do those 48-hour film, film festivals. What is, you mean they make a, they make? They and, make something, you know. You and then they edit it in 48, in 48 hours? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have 48-hour 48, 48 film festivals. I can't do them. How? I don't think I could do them. No, uh, that's a lot. Plus, I need my sleep. Yeah. You, yeah. So you go in, you're starting to shoot it. As you said, even today, every day you wake up and it's like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm afraid, but I'm going to do it. When did you, how often were you kind of coming up against a wall where you're like, I don't think I can do this anymore? Man, there was a lot. I would say right after the two week mark, when I, right after the first shoot, mm-hmm. after the first shoot, you're kind of like, oh man, how am I going to get this together? And I remember just crossing off pages in the script, like, okay, I got that. I got that shot. I can do stuff. And this is me not at a point, we did not have the technology at that point to just stop and edit. We had to like get computer, you know, we had, that had to be like the next thing down the road. Mm-hmm. Like we'll get a computer to do the editing, to do the thing down the road. So, and as we a director, <laughs> as a director, I imagine whatever, anytime like a a meaningful decision needs to be made, everybody just kind of turns and looks at you. Uh, yeah. Is that kind of how it goes? I I had a very small set, very small group of people mm-hmm. for my first movie, but did, yeah. yeah. Did that give you uh, maybe a form of self confidence that you'd never really had before? Yeah. Definitely. Have you ever um, when I when I knew it, it can tear you down too when I when you don't because a lot of times 
as an independent filmmaker, I've just gotten something together the best I can. Mm -hmm. And it's not always exactly what I wanted. It's just what I could do. I, I don't have the time that I wanted. I didn't have, you know, I don't have the takes that I wanted. Um, all kinds of things. I think there's, there's actually in dead woman's hollow, there's actual footage missing, like missing footage. Like we don't know. We don't know what happened to that. We can't find it. You know, things like that. You mean stuff that you thought was in the movie. That's not there. Like things we thought we shot. I said, you can't find it later. When um, you get to the editing part. Have you ever heard of uh, a psychiatric term called exposure therapy? No. Okay, Sounds so, intriguing, though. Oh, it's horrifying. Uh, as somebody I mean, with uh, obs obsessive compulsive disorders, I have exposure therapy would be like this. An example. This is a very – look, I'm not a doctor. Neither is my sister. Uh, a very basic version of this is let's say I was afraid – I obsessed over and was afraid of spiders. Uh, I think it would start by one spider in a cage across the room from me. And then slower and slower, er, slowly, they start exposing you to your fears more and more. So it's like really overwhelming. And then you learn you have to face your fear, blah, blah, blah. I probably butchered exactly you know what it is and what it's trying to do. But it sounds like to me, when you are being as vulnerable as you were with that film, with the themes that really struck home for you, it seems like it was something like, well, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. And some days you're, as you said, totally defeated. What got you up to do it again the next day? I think getting it done to actually have something completed because wh when I've completed both of my movies, it has just kind of been like, oh, finally, you know, like I finally have it and it's there. What's that feel like? Amazing. It, there's still a lot of work though with like trying to get it out there. That's hard like just get the word out and everything but uh yeah so when you so i i watched dead woman's hollow the other evening um you have a great couple lines in that movie <laughs> about line two and uh i think you're gonna want to take this call then you have this great <laughs> your eye looks to the guy thank uh, you yes that was good stuff um choices yes how how often between takes, um, you know, were you talking to the actors and, and trying to – did you ever bring them in on any of the personal stuff that you were trying to work through to help to for them to understand what you wanted out of them? Yeah. Was um, that scary? Yeah, really scary. And, you know, and knowing more now, like I know that like one – I think it's one in four women have been abused. Um, wow. I think it's way Jesus. more than that. Uh, I think that, but anyway, so Mel, who plays Jen in my movie, um, mm -hmm. who we touch on that subject with, um, she, we had a conversation and it was really hard for me to walk that walk with her. Um, she drove like an hour and a half to be on my set whenever she had to be there. So oftentimes she would come down and like spend the night with one of the other girls, mm -hmm. uh, the other girl, um, Sarah Snyder, who was. Um, Jen in the movie, or I'm sorry, Donna. Donna, the the other main. Yeah. There, there are two girls mm -hmm. who go camping, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have a conversation with Mel about, do you know, do you, do you have a personal connection with an abused woman? And she just looked me in the eye and said, "I've got this," and I never had to really say another word to her because me and her just looking in each other's eyes said it for me. Um, and then come to fight like what happens in 2017 to her mother, her mother was actually shot by her stepdad. And so she had actually lived a life of. In the, these, the, the woman who played Jen and I, I apologize. Can you remind me of her name again? Mel Heflin. She lost her mother to. Mm -hmm. Domestic violence. Domestic abuse, yeah. Uh, uh, and she actually gets shot in the head in mm -hmm. my movie. So it's she can never watch my she can never watch this again. She'll never do another part like this again. But this great we shot this in 2010. Mm -hmm. Um and a little bit in 2011. But mainly in 2010 with her. 2010 and 2011. So, you know, she was she had seen it so many times and she lived it with her mom and her mom tried to get away so many times. And I think so, it's, 
Sorry, yeah. go ahead. We just had to look at each other and we knew and she played it and she gave a beautiful performance whenever she actually has to expose herself. And right. I cried the first time I saw that. Uh, I mean, and then even just with the, put, then you could go and put music on top of it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It just gave it, it gave that story. It gave that exposure moments. It just made it beautiful for me. So. Yeah. And you know, I went, you, when you and I talked, you told me about the movie and I didn't know about that element of the plot. Um, I knew uh, it was just based on a true story about some people who went hiking in the Appalachian trail. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to watch this movie. Maybe it'd be a thriller. I don't, you know, and then I even texted you. I was like, is this a thriller or horror? You're like, more of a thriller. I said, okay. So I started watching it, and then it slowly starts to show, okay, this is not just about two two women who go, and then they meet this guy who looks exactly like the guy who used to be the maintenance guy at an apartment I lived at, like down <laughs> to the been. jacket and the hat and the beard, like exactly. Um, it, it, it becomes clear, and as the movie goes on more and more that they're focusing on that. Sorry, go ahead. I said Leroy. Leroy. And, you know, you said something a minute ago, and I think it's something I know a lot of people don't understand, and I, I don't presume to speak for anybody, but you said that, um, you know, her mom had tried to get away, but wasn't able to. Yeah. Uh, I want you to correct me if I say anything wrong here. I think it is a misconception that, that people who are in abusive relationships can just pick up and leave most of the time, Right. Yeah. It's it's just not that simple. Yep. And um I think for anybody who is listening, um I I did uh and I'm gonna put this in the show notes, there is a national domestic violence hotline, uh which is uh eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. Uh, that's eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. So again, I will put that in the we'll put that in the show notes. Um but the fact that you even said one in four women go through this and that's you, you think it's probably even more than that. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you haven't been through it, you've seen somebody go through it or you've helped somebody mm -hmm. somehow, some way, even if it's just listen. Right. I think, I think everybody knows somebody. I mean, well, yeah. Did you, so did you feel as you were, you know, you're shooting the movie and then you're going back takes an, a year and a half to shoot. I think it took, you said, took about another year and a half to, to edit and post-production and all that stuff, yeah. right? So you actually get it on DVD. We showed it once in 2012. And then um, I think it took, it, it was 13 before we put it on DVD, before we finally got like a file to put on DVD. Um, Kevin Yost does our music. He wanted to work on the music again after we showed it one time. Mm -hmm. um, he basically mixed it live while we showed it in twelve. And oh. he was like, I, I want to work on it one more time. Um, and so we, we went back into the editing room. I did get some feedback, too, when I showed it, you know. And uh, so we crafted a, a few things as best we could. And then um, Kevin worked on the music again. And we were able to get that file. And I showed it at a film festival, like four film festivals. But one, the, my very first film festival led to the next film festival, led to the next film festival, led to the next film festival, where I got distribution for my first film, which doesn't hardly ever happen. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and it was amazing, and I loved every second of it, and it was kind of like a dream come true. Now, the distribution, in hindsight, the distribution agreement didn't change my life or anything. If anything, it was really hard to get through that five years but when we got our movie back then this kind of streaming platform thing has taken a new life that wasn't around in like 13 14 right. and 15 mm -hmm. um it really hasn't we we've been learning it basically since the pandemic and that's how we've been able to get the last all three of our movies out to streaming which has been incredible for us life-changing so well, you say that life-changing, you had a licensing agreement, and that is something that's pretty rare. But, you know, 
multiple times you said, I'm going to follow my dream. And your dream is to create something, to create art, to share art. Uh, unfortunately, in this country, for the most part, unless you're really, 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 really lucky, um, you can't – it's hard to make a living by art. Mm-hmm. And did that ever really get you down, frustrate you, depress you? Oh, yeah. That is the darkness, I think. Yeah. Just not – just that makes you feel like you're spinning your wheels. So, like, you're like, I should be doing – I should be creating something – but because there is not a quote unquote quote unquote market for it, uh, I have to do something that I uh, I don't believe in. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of raised that way too. Got to pay the rent. Got to pay the rent. Sure. <laughs> got to have a roof over your head, which of course. But yeah. at the same and you time, do. yeah, or you got to have something. I got to have a safe space, and I have learned that, and I I work every day for it. So as you're going to these film festivals, were you scared to be, I mean, for film festivals, you get licensing. Um, were you scared to be six? Wait, did I say that wrong? Distribution? What did I say wrong? I got lit. No, you said licensing. Okay, licensing. Okay. Yeah. Were you scared to be successful? Oh, yeah. Why? Because I, I, I don't think I'm safe enough yet. I don't think I'm safe enough. Scared to be known, scared to, like, the more I put myself out there, the more I'm like, oh, I want to shut back down. Mm -hmm. Because I just don't feel safe yet. Like, my whole life is just how can I put, like, I just need a little bit of space. (laughs) Yeah. But yet you're making these extremely personal films. (laughs) And so it shows that you, while you may have been scared to be successful, uh, you are a lot stronger than maybe you thought you were, or, uh, or is that is that not right? My movies make me feel strong. Yeah, they, def- I guess what I'm trying to say is, of course you're strong, but maybe when you went into the experience, you had maybe second thoughts. You're afraid. You know, everybody's looking to you, and then you come out on the other side, and you're like, "Holy shit, I did that!" I'm really proud. You should be. I am really proud. Yeah, because I was briefly a film major in school, and uh, that shit is hard. There's so much shit going on all at once. Um, And also, nobody's ever explained to me why they say speed, why the sound person says speed. Yeah, we're not that. We're more gorilla. We're definitely more gorilla. Mm -hmm. I get to say action. Hey! um, (laughs) I think that's just because everybody lets me have that. Sure. Yeah. You really don't have Do you get to, to say cut? Yeah, I can. Woo! Exciting. <laughs> but a lot of people just go ahead and break whenever they want to break. Like, that's it. That's what you, you know. Or we run out of time and we get kicked off a location. Like, we got to go. Yeah, got to go. <laughs> yeah, Gorilla, I like that. And and you, so you you get licensing. And were you terrified again? Because, again, this is exposing you in a way that maybe you weren't comfortable with. Yeah but super excited at the same time. And so you, you keep mentioning a third movie, which I have not watched. Did you then immediately go into pre-production or, or kind of how did that work out for you? Um, we had the script. Uh, I think we had the script in 14 for Darkness Waits and we called it It's Happening Again. And then David Lynch came out with something that was called that's happening again i didn't want everybody to think that i was copying off him we were probably my husband and the writer john taylor are very huge david lynch fans i am too Mm -hmm. but like they were like they were the people that exposed me to david lynch basically like you know recognize him (laughs) Uh, david (laughs) lynch is fucking brilliant. brilliant yeah so they're heavily inspired by him and i hope you can see that i could see that in dead woman's hollow for sure Good. Um, but yeah, yeah, so Darkness Waits is, was called It's Happening Again, and then we changed it, and then we kind of just kept it a secret for a while. Did you change it Did, first to Twin Peaks? <laughs> we should have. Yeah, you should have. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. But we started shooting in 15, and I thought that I could get it done in a summer. I thought I'll devote um, a week of production 
and I'll have a 10 day, or more than a week. I had a 10 day production schedule, like a shooting schedule. Mm-hmm. And I worked really hard on that and I did stick to it. It just took me five years, <laughs> but I did think I could get it done in 10 days in a summer. Um, and, and how long did it actually, I know you said five years. How long did it take you to shoot it? Uh, old. I, cause at this time we were able to edit and we were able to shoot and then we stopped and we did some editing and then we were to shoot and we would stop and do editing. Um, so I even shot something in 2019 after I showed it after the premiere, I had another idea. And so we shot one more scene and then we put it in the DVD. So okay. even when I thought it was done, it wasn't done yet. So. But you said earlier, like, this is a type of thing where you sleep a couple hours and you can't wait to get up and do it again. Even if you're you're trudging through it for five years, um, that had to be life-affirming and, and just... So kind of, was it like most days? It was like, I'm so excited and happy I get to be doing this? Yeah. Or I would be looking forward to the time period where I could get it going again. Because I would be working for... I've got to get this. The next thing I have to get done is this. Mm-hmm. The next thing I have to get shot is this. The next location I have to get is this. Um, check it off the list. What was different for you on this film as opposed to Dead Woman's Hollow? Or was it just just as challenging, just as scary? It was just as challenging, but I was able to adapt it a little bit more. Like with Dead Woman's Hollow, I just stuck to the script the best that I you know. I was like, if I, I know that if I can shoot John's words that I can make a picture. Like mm-hmm. I thought, worst case scenario, say I'm not creative. <laughs> and I'm not a special ingredient like or something like, it doesn't matter that it's me. Uh, worst case scenario, I shoot every word of this script. It's gonna, some people are gonna think it's cool or something, you know, like watch it or I just knew it was gonna be good. And, um, but then on Darkness Waits, I was like, when I would go to this, go to the script, I would be like, okay, I don't think I could do that. But what I can do is this. And mm-hmm. I'd like switch it or adapt it or just kind of make it my own. And John really gave, gives me any kind of freedom. I mean, I don't really have to go to him and be like, do you care if I don't have this? Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, whatever you can make, make it, you know, do it. True, true so, collaboration. Yeah. So and- I had a little more of that, a little more freedom. Is there a place where people can watch Darkness Waits? Yeah, Tubi, Roku. Tubi is Roku? Yeah, okay. Amazon. It's available on several platforms, but for a, an independent filmmaker, Tubi is the, for me right now, Tubi is the best. And uh, Roku. Okay. And uh, you said something to me a couple weeks ago um, that I thought was right, which, right, Jesus, which really rang true, I guess I should say, is everything you do comes from everything you did. Um, and that, that we put our whole, when we're creating something, or maybe when you're creating something for sure, you put your whole life into that creation and how that creation can illuminate new worlds. What did you mean by that? Oh, I guess, I don't know, just the words themselves. Uh, it's just, we, you know, people always say, would you, would, you, would you change anything if you could go back? Or would you tell your younger self, you know, something, uh, give them a message, things like that? I think, I don't, I don't think I would change anything about my life because I would be afraid that I wouldn't be right where I am now because I do, I'm really content with the place that I am. I, I mean, I'm working towards other things for sure, mm-hmm. but um, it's just, it, it makes you who you are. Um, uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think you, you, you said something simple, but profound as well, where you said movies are my voice. Yes. I have a hard time finding words, even just right, right then. Sometimes people ask me a question and, mm-hmm. I feel like I can't think of the right thing to say. Um, but my movies have given me a place, I think, where I can say something. I can use my voice. I can tell my story. Or um, I can let other people do it. Um, and 
get to find the happiness from that mm-hmm. um, and, and watch and like, and even, I think it's an even more profound happiness for me whenever I get to see other people making their dreams come true because my movies are not just my dream. They're like everybody that I worked with, they're their dreams too. Um, my, my lead actresses, you know, my, just the storytellers, the people that carry you through, uh, the characters that I get to be a part of the collaboration, Mm -hmm. um, when I get to see what they bring and just, just be in the same space with them. Um, it's, it is, it's my dreams, my dream come true. That's yeah. I, you know, a lot of people talk (laughs) about dreams. Uh, Roy Orbison sings about dreams in dreams. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was lip sync by Dean Stockwell in Blue Velvet because that movie rules, and um, it's so it's so wonderful to hear people say, "Hey, my dream is actually coming true." Because I don't think that happens a lot. Well, maybe it does, and we just don't talk about it. I don't know. Um, but another thing, it seems like that really came into focus for you when you were out there too, as you mentioned earlier, is nature. And uh, obviously in Dead Woman's Hollow, I mean, it takes place on the Appalachian Trail, but there's a lot of lovely shots of nature and, you know, a lot of uh, um, both wide and, and, and enclosed shots of nature. And um, do, you, do you spend a lot of time in nature? Every second that I can. Uh, yeah. I love the earth. I love walking in the woods. Um, I love mushroom hunting. And I love to ident- like try to identify species, and um, I love to try to find something new, <laughs> especially with mushrooms, because you can find some rare and amazing things that you might not find again for years, and that's happened to me. And you're just walking around in the woods, and you're looking just for mushrooms, and you yeah. can identify new species? It takes me some time, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I mean, new to me. Well, um, sure. Yeah. Right. 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 Oh, <laughs> uh, but there. Yeah. There's so much out there. So how does you know how does being in nature help your uh, trauma, your sadness, your um, what your mental health that you deal with on a daily basis? What was the question? Oh, how How does being in nature help you? Like films, we talk about how making a film helps you. How does being in nature help you with, with the the struggles that you have day in and day out with, with, you know, the trauma you've experienced or, you know, the sadness or depression that you may be going through? I think it grounds me because um, I'm finding out maybe that I, I don't know if I'm finding out that I'm a part of something, but I'm finding out that, uh, there's just beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I think mushrooms are beautiful. I'm, I've seen some beautiful things, and when it, when you see them and you've never seen them before, it's like, what is that? You know. And mm-hmm. then you get closer to it. I often take pictures of them, and I try to like just kind of like see how they're growing, where they're growing, what they're growing from. Um, sometimes I s- try to see how long they last. There are some mushrooms that are that are like really, really hard, and they they can be there for twenty, thirty years. Um, there's mushrooms that are hundreds years old, hundreds of years old. I think that there's mushrooms that are thousands of years old, but I don't know. It's almost like um, there's a mushroom kingdom. <laughs> we can get into that. <laughs> no, 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 that's that's just my Super Mario joke. Um, so that kind of puts things in perspective, though, right? You you tell me that, hey, there are mushrooms that are hundreds of years old, and I turned 40 in 2022, and I spent four months hyperventilating about it, right? And it's like, wow, yeah, great, Kevin. Well, there's mushrooms that are like 180, 180 <laughs> years old. And there are these trees that, that maybe you walk by every day that are, I don't know, thousands of years old, perhaps. So what have you seen in the time that you've been up there that has it changed the uh, nature? Yeah, a lot of the trees that I used in Dead Woman's Hollow are gone. Um, I watched them fall. Uh, like for logging we have, or? Well, there, no, there there hasn't been, the logging hasn't reached my area, the, the areas that I walk 
logging hasn't touched it, but a tornado has touched down twice in the same area. Gotcha. Um, and sometimes I'm like, is that the universe saying that well, I've done something wrong? But I don't know. But um, oh, we also have a bug that's getting the hemlocks. Uh, uh, the bug is like killing? Mm-hmm. Is there, or is it just terror? If if you were to use a pesticide on those bugs, would that be just worse for would, the environment? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I'm scared of it because I think that they would spray us. Ah, mm-hmm. So, do you? But I, I don't know. I hope Mother Nature can come back, um, but I'm seeing so many of them go down. And I think I'm you said that, that the there's a, won't be a there's a tree species that you really love that is. Might, yeah, that's it. Might be gone. That's mm-hmm. a, okay. I'm sorry. Yes, gotcha. All right. Um, it's the hemlock tree. It's my favorite tree. Hemlock tree. Mm-hmm. You know, Socrates hated that tree. <laughs> no, that's the plant, and he didn't hate it. No, I was Joe. He just he was like, all right, you guys are gonna make me fucking drink this. Whatever. Let me say this cool shit. All right, I'm dead. And uh, that's everywhere. I see that growing next to the elementary school. Hemlock? Here. The yeah. plant? Yeah. See, this is amazing it's to me. Wild. This is quite literally, there's a whole world out there mm-hmm. uh, that I pay, speaking for myself, I pay zero attention to. I'm too busy watching like WWE pay-per-views in order or, you know, reading books when I could be out among, among that. And it, it's interesting how we as people who struggle with depression or anxiety or what have you, we find ways, simple ways of, of um, escape, uh, like say taking a walk or, you know, or reading a book or something much more uh, complicated, like making a full length motion picture. (laughs) Um, And it's all about doing that and trying to continue to grow as a person and watching, it sounds like to me, at least in your experience where you live, also watching the earth grow around you and let that inform the way that you look at life. Is that, is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it helps me live. And like we would be out there just trying to figure out where we were, we were going to shoot something, you know, oftentimes just a walk in the woods and a walk in the woods to me is like sunshine and it's good exercise and I learn things. Um, there often it's, you know, si- it's silence for me. There's not a lot that, um, like world wise where you have to pay attention to. Like, I feel like I always have to pay attention to everything that's going on around me, like 360 degrees. Yeah. So going out and, but I do that in nature too, but it's just more calming for me because I, I also learn there's a time in the season where I'll get off trail and I don't go off trail very much in the mm-hmm. summertime because okay. of, for me it's snakes and Ooh. I, I know I just want to respect mm. it's their land mm-hmm. it's their time it's not my time and if I want to explore I'll explore in the winter time whenever they've gone to sleep <laughs> and, right um so that's when I'll, I'll go off trail a little bit, but. Look, I respect snakes too. I just don't ever want to ever, ever, ever see one or come across um, one. Well, they're beautiful, but yeah, I just, I want I definitely want my space between them. I did almost step on a rattlesnake, which I did get about two feet away from it. And all of a sudden I saw it and I just turned to my husband and said, it's the thing. It's the thing that makes the sound. Like I'm screaming that, of course, like I didn't do it as dramatically as what I would do it. But if you just, <laughs> is this kind of what you're talking about where sometimes you lose words? Yes. Yeah. So you see a rattlesnake and he hasn't seen it yet. And I know he actually, I can see things better than he can sometimes in real life. He sees things better on camera than I do, but I see things in real life sometimes faster than he does. <laughs> so I saw this rattlesnake. I could not think of what it was. All I can just be like, it's the thing. It's the thing that makes the sound. <laughs> yeah, it's charades. It's deadly charades. I I usually try at the end of you know episodes to kind of say to people, is there anything else that you didn't um, relate or say? Not even about your story, but just what you'd like to share with people. Maybe about coming from where you were kind of 
at a, a really hard place in your life and now you've you're living your dream uh is there anything that you anything else that you want to share with people who, who may be listening to this um i just want to tell you if if you are in a dark place to look for your light um and sometimes it's the light that's in you um I, I made, I made movies to help myself, to um, give myself an outlet, um, and I do hope that people check them out and, you know, see what I was able to do. Um, breathe, <laughs> definitely. Just remember to breathe, and I find I hope you can find a safe space. Um, and that's my one wish for everybody is that they feel safe enough. It's really hard to get creative when you don't feel safe. I mean, I've definitely been feeling that. Um, I hope that for anybody can find that. Even, even painting for me, sometimes I'll just get a canvas and try to get a picture out of my head. Mm -hmm. um, just do whatever you can to make something. I, I love that. I mean, I, I think that really resonates with kind of where I am in my life and what I've always kind of tried to do. I think it should be said and called out that you have kind of done something that a lot of people maybe struggle to do. And you've succeeded with flying colors. You've taken something that you're afraid of and you said, fuck it. And you did it anyway. And you, you were vulnerable uh, and you were able to create and be vulnerable because you um, were in a safe space. Uh, but it, it starts with you and finding, like you said, finding the light within you. And I think that's a really beautiful sentiment, excuse me, um, to end on. So um, thank you for sharing that. And l let me just say the names again. Is it Brainwave? No, Brain Wrap. No. Brain Wrap, fuck. Sorry. That's okay. No, it's all right. Why don't you? It's tricky. Brain wrap, dead woman's hollow, darkness waits. You got it. And they can find them on Tubi. Would be Tubi or Amazon. Tubi or Tubi or Tubi. Tubi or Tubi right. or Tubi. <laughs> got so, it. And also Roku. People are familiar with that. It's on a lot of smart TVs. Mm -hmm. Tubi is actually something you can get on your phone now. It's just an app, and so all. You know, anybody who has a smartphone can get this app and you can watch free content. Um, it's great. So, and that's uh, T U B I. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Roku's similar. It comes on a lot of the smart TVs. You'd be able to click on it there for free. Um, Amazon is kind of like hitter. They're, I, I believe they're all available on Amazon too. I know Dead Woman's Brain Hollow is. Yeah. And, and Darkness Waits. I'm not sure about Brain Wrap, but I think so. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, and they, they're kind of back and forth whether or not it's free or they charge. I do have distribution. It's through Film Hub, which I'm, I, I love. Um, so they're the platform that has been able to get my movies on several gotcha. platforms, okay. streaming networks. So, well, definitely, um, I hope that everybody can check them out. I'm going to try to catch the other two as well. Um, um, Brain Wrap. Yep. Dead Woman's Hollow, Darkness Waits. And the first one you are an actor in, and the second two you directed. I actually, I do have a part in the second one too. They, well, Darkness Waits. Oh, in Darkness Waits, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Darkness Waits. Uh, um, some of the characters come back. You'll see that when you watch it. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it to the universe when you watch it. Yeah. Oh, I plan on watching it for sure. <laughs> And then maybe I can come back and we talk about that. Sometime. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> um, all right, Libby. Well, uh, I really, really appreciate you coming on. I know that, um, you know. Oh, it's been so good to, to like hear your voice and be in a space with you. You oh. are super talented. You always have been. <laughs> I don't, well, Brent's shaking that, his head no. And yeah. I. I tend to believe Brent on this one. No, thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say. Really kind of you I to say. I remember you being in a movie. I remember being at a party with you. <laughs> and somebody showed a movie that you did. 
Oh, the one about my the 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 original documentary yes. about my OCD. Yes, yes, yeah. it was wonderful. I loved it. It was so real and. Oh, it was real, all right. Yeah, I, I, uh, my friend, real fast, a friend of mine who's in film school is like, uh, we're doing a, you know, talking to people about their nervous habits, and he filmed me for a long fucking time, and he goes, all right, well, it's not going to be about a bunch of people, it's going to be about you. It used to be on um, YouTube, it's called four eight sixteen, I think. I don't know. Anyway, enough about that. Yeah. Thank you, and um. Thank you so much for coming on. I know that some of these things are not easy for you to talk about. So taking the time to talk about that and sharing your story and being kind and generous, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for providing the safe space. You're welcome. For me to feel that. You're welcome. And we kept it safe by keeping Brent out of the shop. <laughs> so, but thank you so much. And, you know, I like, always like to try to end the show just by kind of saying, I try to remind myself every day that there's always room for kindness and grace. Uh, even when it has to do with yourself. And uh, I forget that every day. I'm, I'm pretty, so, you know, there's always room for kindness and grace and there's always room to breathe. Libby, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Sad Times. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.